This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Thank you for listening to the Covert Nerd Podcast. I really appreciate the fact that you take the time to hear what I have to say. Please pause this episode right now and think of somebody that you might know who would be interested in this topic, family member, friend, coworker, whatever, and share it with them and let them know about the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Please go to covertnerd.net for all the different ways you can get in touch with me. Let me know about different topics you might be interested in. I would really appreciate any feedback. And without further ado, let's dive right in and nerd it up. Welcome, everybody. We've got Tim, our rainbow comics expert, comic extreme. Who, where's he at? (laughs) The man that knows all. (laughs) Tim. Thanks, Tim. We've been trying to record this episode about X-Men forever, but life just seems to get in the way. But I'm glad we're finally going to tackle Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords. It's been... uh, While we're we're recording this in, what, mid mid to late January, January. uh, we got a new president now. That's weird. Um, but, uh, it's been, man, 10 of swords ended in December, I think. And it's, it's been a minute. It's a 22 issue, uh, epic that's in X-Men. And I, it's, I've read every issue, but I haven't read every issue recently. So I'm going to be a little bit rusty, but I'll do my best. If, if we make a mistake, we apologize ahead of time, Mm -mm. but Tim doesn't no, make mistakes. I don't, I don't make mistakes, and I refuse to apologize. <laughs> okay, there you have it. <laughs> well, the uh, Ten of Swords, obviously, we know Jonathan Hickman is the, the man behind the latest X-Men run. And is it Tinny? Tinny uh, Howard? Tinny Howard. Tinny Howard. There, sorry. Pronounced no, wrong. Right. I mean, and, I, don't, I don't know. It's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> We've got art by Pepe Larez. And I know one of your favorites did a variant cover, Peach. Oh Momoko? yeah, Peach Momoko. Yeah, uh, I'm really quick as an aside. I uh, I was super lucky to get my Starman piece from her. I mean, it's Star. Yeah, it's Starman. It was, uh, uh, I got a piece from her like last year, and her rates had already gone up in the year because the year prior I was thinking about getting a piece from her. So I got one last year, and now she's exploding at my store. Almost every week, I'm having about four or five different variants that Peach has done. And she also doing her first interior work for Marvel here in uh, just a couple of months. She's going to be doing an X-Men book that's reimagining X-Men as like Japanese folk heroes, kind of. And it looks really, really fun. That's my aside for Peach Momoko. Yeah, I know you're a big fan. So I saw her name pop up on several of these. So I think she's got a future at Marvel, I think. She's one of their young guns this year. Oh, okay. Um, when we're done with this, if you want, to, I have her covers behind the counter. I'll show yeah, you. Yeah, well, we'll put some of those in the show notes. Sure. And get some of those. What about the run itself? What was, let's just do kind of the 10,000 foot view of Ten of Swords. What was your impression of that? Well, real quick, let's, t- let's talk about okay. what Ten of Swords is. Yes. So Ten of Swords, basically... Um, Oh, we should pause. We're going to spoil the heck out of this. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to do our best. <laughs> um, there is so many moving parts to this story that it is completely bonkers. We will not be covering everything. It's impossible. It's huge. It's so big. Um, and some of it is less important to the overall story than others. Like Hellions was a was a huge standout, but has almost nothing to do with the main story. That was hilarious. It was really good. Um, but anyway, Ten of Swords... Basically, the the concept is 
Krakoa, which is the island upon which the sovereign mutant nation exists, used to be part of another island called Oraka, Oraka, excuse me, Krakoa, Oraka. And they used to be one entity. They got split. Krakoa is in our world. Oraka is in, they're in a completely different dimension. And the bridge between those dimensions is other world. Other world. There we go. Okay. Uh, and there's a fight. And the leader of other world, whose name is Opal Luna Saturnine. I believe wow, you got the whole I, name. I'm yeah. impressed. No, no, no. I, I, I reread creation last night. I, I didn't. Uh, and I was like, I need to know what the catalyst for this is. But Opal Luna Saturnine is Saturnine is probably how I'll refer to her. It could be Saturnine or Saturnine or I don't know how to say it. I'm going to say Saturnine because I'm super white and that's what it looks like. But uh, but she basically says, hey, uh, y'all want to fight? We'll set up uh, a tournament uh, and we'll have the, the 10 swords fight each other. But there's technically 19 swords. Yeah, you're, tr- you're <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And one of them kind of exists. It's like split, the Muramasa blade. And uh, it's very weird. So basically, arbitrarily, we're setting up a fight between the mutant nation of Krakoa and Araka. Oraka, excuse me, it's so hard to say, which is populated by uh, Apocalypse's family from like before time, kind yeah, way, of. Yeah, way, way, way back, yeah. Like, so yeah, you have like his his wife and his kids and then Pog or Pog and some really weird, very cool characters. Like the first horseman, I guess, is there? Yeah, like considered? The, fir- the first horseman and like just the most random assortment of like messed up sci-fi horror creatures ever it's really really cool but it's it's uh, the reason they're fighting is is almost not important uh but it is a fight between Krakoa and Oraka and yeah it, it it's basically uh there's going to be a series of events and it's kind of like a weird Paranormal Olympics, I guess, yeah. or super normal, not paranormal, but super normal Olympics. And at the end, whoever has the most points, whichever team has the most points wins. Yeah. But it's kind of ambiguous as to like what that means. But basically, we have two, two uh, islands that exist in two different planes of reality, and their champions are going to fight each other. Yeah, they even give scores throughout the the, the the series of Krakoa, you know, 18, uh, Aroka, 15, or whatever, mm-hmm. as they're going through. So they even, yeah, they, they pretty much acknowledge that this is just a tournament. It's a tournament. It's, 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 it's going to be. Um, stakes seem like they might be pretty high, but that's, that's kind of a broad overview. Two islands are fighting to win. Um, my view, is, uh, going back to your original question, what are my thoughts on... Uh, on Ten of Swords as an event, I don't know. <laughs> did, they, did they land the finish? I guess might be a way to. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And when you when you got done with the series, you're like, okay, I kind of like this. This is this when, is good. When I got done with it, I was just like, uh, what? <laughs> so, 
Uh, the the interesting thing. Let's uh, real quick. What we had with Ten of Swords, uh, breaking it down to like its component parts, I suppose, is we had it was a twenty two part story, yeah. um, most of which took place within about roughly about two issues of each of the existing X books, not including like mini series like Juggernaut wasn't a part of it or whatever. But uh, it was book ended by Ten of Swords creation and what was the last one called? Uh, was it dis- res- Stasis? No, no Stasis Destruction. Was destruction. Okay. So it was bookended by Ten of Swords creation and it ended with uh Ten of Swords Destruction and then right in the middle was Ten of Swords Stasis. So these three books did not have any specific ties to uh existing titles. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, if you wanted to, if you want to read Ten of Swords and you don't want to read Twenty Two Parts, you could read those three issues and be okay. Um, you will miss out t- on tons of minutia, but you could get the story from those three oh, issues. Okay, so they make a way for you because I've mm. read online, so I'd be like, "Gosh, I had to buy twenty two issues. It's a hundred dollars." So you're saying you could read those three and probably somewhat understand the story yeah absolutely well because we're looking at um ten of swords creation sets everything up and everything i kind of talked to you about the exception of again some details that was a 60 page issue by the way um it was a huge thing uh but then that is part one uh and then stasis i believe is part 12 so throughout throughout the course of like between part two and part 11 that whole thing is essentially just watching the different X-Men get their swords. Uh, And one of the things Hickman has brought to X-Men is something that he brings to a lot of his books. It goes back to Avengers. It goes back to uh, his image books. It goes back to everything he's ever done. He's got these pages in the comics that are just white pages with uh, traditional prose and text on it. Yeah, there is a lot of that. And uh, and a lot of what you get... um, that's, I would say, almost more important than what happens in the comics aspect from these first uh, 11 parts is your understanding what the layout is of Otherworld. Um, you're learning the politics between Krakoa and Okara, and uh, it's very, very interesting. So that's something that if you read Creation and then skip over to Stasis, you will miss those events. Um, and I don't know that we need to get into the specifics of how everybody got their swords, um, but we may want to talk about who got their swords. Well, let's let's maybe focus in on maybe your favorite story, oh, sword story, or one or two of your favorites. Who who got it and how how they got it? Was there one that stuck out in your mind? Not really, and that's not to say that it wasn't interesting. Um, there's just. It, for as much time as we spend with it, it just kind of happens quickly. Yeah. So, like, Ileana Rasputin has hers. Of course she does. Um, C- the way Cable got his was actually told in his book before Ten of Swords. So when this starts, he already has a sword, which goes back to, like, the Space Knights, which is super random and such a deep cut, um, which is really, really fun. Um Wolverines, I think, is yeah. probably Wolverine pretty, stuck out. Yeah, pretty interesting because uh, he used to have the Muramasa blade, but the Muramasa blade is it Muramasa Murasama? Mur, mur, Murama. No, I think I it's right. Muramasa. Muramasa. But like, that's the only sword that shows up on both lists, and technically, 
is two different swords, but it's kind of the same sword. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, Storm has to steal her sword from. St- I'll be honest. T'Challa. My, I think my two favorite through lines uh, for characters on the as, as far as X Men goes throughout the whole twenty two issue epic, definitely Storm, and uh, definitely Cipher. Oh, okay. Uh, like Cipher yeah. and Warlock. It, it's Cipher, right? Yeah. I think those those two came across as um, probably my favorite overarching stories. But, you know, it was very interesting to end up seeing who got their swords because we had, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, he, he used to run Hydra. Gorgon. Gorg- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I gave a crud about Gorgon, yes. and that doesn't happen. Um, Gorgon was great. Apocalypse. Gorgon's fight, actually, with uh, oh. Final Fight. That was one of the better fights. That's how they, yeah, they, they ended up utilizing that to turn all of the tables. But yeah, the, the, the getting the swords. Yeah. You could, like you were saying, you could probably skip that. You, we don't, well, we, you and I don't need to, to dwell on it. I don't, nah. I don't think, cause at, at some point it's just going to be you and I just listing things. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to make that sound dynamic and fun. Um, if you want to look it up, you absolutely can, um, or you can come into my store and buy some. Buy got, one because it gives a list in there of all oh, the swords. Yeah. yeah, there's uh, there's all there's a whole bunch of stuff. But I think what what I want to focus on more is is some of them some of the major beats uh, that I thought were very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, one well, we, we kind of hit on it was one of one of that stood out was was Gorgon's death, like you said. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse says in there that that's how a mutant dies, children, and that was a pretty dramatic moment i think in the story arc in my opinion well um let's talk about how the events were scored okay because it seemed it's very arbitrary depending on what's happening um saturnine uh she could if you defeat five people maybe you get one point yeah or if you defeat five people, maybe you get five points. It yeah. just kind of depends on how she, <laughs> it, how she's feeling. It reminds me of playing games with your friends when you're eight years old, and all of a sudden the rules change. You know, yeah, like absolutely. It's a safe spot. <laughs> well, and, and the whole time you're trying to figure out whose side is she on, yeah. and and she's just on Otherworld's side. Um, for the for the first half, maybe two thirds of the events, um, Krakoa, the X Men, are behind. Um, yep. and it's in it, the event itself the 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 event that Ten of Swords is about doesn't even start until about part fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty late. Yeah, because the the whole point of stasis, the one shot that happens right in the middle, is we're just seeing how the Okara mutants are getting their swords. So where mm-hmm. we spent like ten, eleven parts following the X Men getting their swords, we get one. Uh, 40 page issue introducing these new characters getting their swords uh and then they spend like two issues uh getting dinner and somebody tries to poison wolverine of all people and yep. it's it's very interesting uh one of the things we find out um uh, one of the things that we set up during the house of x and powers of 10 that we talked about uh last year last year yeah wow was it two years ago no no it was fall of 19 
Yeah, two years ago. Oh, I guess. Well, technically two technically, years. Technically, yes, because yes. we're in 2021. Well, technically. Oh, yes. my gosh. <laughs> oh, am I old? <laughs> no, one of the things that, that we learned in House and Powers was that uh, X-Men have the ability to come back from the dead. Yep. Uh, they have resurrection protocols. Early on in issue one of Ten of Swords... Rockslide gets killed in other world. Other world yep. um, somebody else gets gravely injured, and they go back through the portal, and they end up dying on Krakoa. Uh, what we end up finding out from this is that if a mutant dies in other world, they can be resurrected, but they're not the same. They're essentially a new being. Uh, they don't have their memories their mm -hmm. powers are different they come back physically altered somehow yep uh so what we so rock slide exists but he's not the same as he was before he's a completely different being he's essentially a brand new character and that old rock slide is dead so what this does outside of removing one of the coolest characters as i love rock slide he he's gone through such a cool transition from when he was introduced 15 years ago uh, as like this brash young hothead to like yep. being a very lovable character, but they killed him and it stinks, but you're like, Oh, well he'll be back. He came back wrong like, for lack of a better term. And it's, it's set early on that if a mutant dies in other world, they're effectively dead. Um, so like if Wolverine were to die, we would get him resurrected but it wouldn't be the Logan we knew. It would be a brand new Logan with a completely clean slate. Uh, and we don't know what his powers would be, what his temperament would be. We don't know. We don't even know that he would be a he. You know, it's it's, it's completely, it's setting up the stakes that the X-Men haven't had to deal with in uh, in quite a while since, uh, since Hickman's run began. Yeah, because you had, before this, you had X-Men dying right and left and... Just bring them right back. Bring them back, yeah. Um, the the whole the relaunched uh, X Factor book. The whole plot of that is uh, they are investigating deaths because they want to make sure before they bring someone back that they're not that <laughs> that they're actually dead. dead. Yeah, confirmed. And so we don't have like two mystiques running around. Good point. Um, which Good is point. really really fun. What about some of the fillers that we talked? You talked about the Helions. The Hellions. Okay, that let's, let's talk about the Hellions. One of the standouts for House and Powers for me was the characterization of um, Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Mr. Sinister has always been this cold, calculating, sinister guy. It's yeah. in his name. Lack of a better word. Um, in House and Powers, what we saw was a more irreverent mm -hmm. Mr. Sinister. He was kind of sarcastic he's he's to the point where he's just like i don't really care i'm evil yeah uh whatever he just acknowledges it right yeah. up front and he's he's kind of he's kind of man you just kind of love him in the worst way um he's hilarious because he's just kind of given into the fact that he's just gonna do his own thing and mm -hmm. he's not breaking any new mutant laws or anything he's just kind of the worst he's just here kind of he's like i don't i 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. The council over here can kind of do what they want, but it really doesn't yeah, he, matter. He's very, I guess, flamboyant. He's, yeah. he's very showy. Like He's got, like, I love his, like, strip strips of cape yeah. that he has. Like, mm-hmm. it's so cool. He basically decides that he wants to put together his own team. And it's Hellions. And it's... It's kind of like what would you call the class from Welcome Back, Cotter? Like what would oh, you? Yeah. Like it's <sighs> it's very much like the outcast. Yeah, it, like, leftovers. He's running the <laughs> Island of Misfit Toys on Krakoa, yeah. and he's put together this group of just completely messed up individuals. Yeah. who do not get along and who may or may not be manipulating each other, and they go on a mission. That outright fails immediately. Yep. And by the end of their their story in Ten of Swords, they come back to Krakoa and are all brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly random. Yeah. And it's it's so hard to to accurately and adequately describe it to you guys because it is so it is so left field. It's it's like you're reading Ten of Swords and it's this oh, it's already strange on its own. Yeah. And it's 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 really really cool, and there's like a million moving parts, and then suddenly Sinister shows up, and he's like, "Let's go on a mission," and then they do that, and I want to say they went to go. Did they go to assassinate Saturnine? Yes, they went to go assassinate Saturnine in another world, and, and then they failed. show up. They <laughs> they show up after the dinner that everybody has, and and like the, they, they're just late and absolutely fail. Everything goes wrong, and they decide to pull out and go back home. And as soon as they go back home, like they're all—I don't even remember how they die, but they definitely all yeah, died. They all died. Uh, but it's just the way it's written. They—they they write sinister. Just this comic. It's so hard it's so, to describe. I feel like I'm not doing it justice at all. Zeb Wells is writing that book, and the way he writes, <laughs> the way he writes everybody is so good because that's—that's that's the we've got havoc. Yeah. Um. Like, can I just say, as a, as a lifelong X Men fan, I'm really proud of Havoc. He's he's okay. very much broken out of his brother's shell. Uh, yes. He kind of stuck with that for so long. He and he and Cyclops <laughs> very well, very much work together. Um. I I very much like. I, I like Cyclops a lot again for the yeah. first time in a long time. Uh, it's kind I'm, of the old school Cyclops again. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very much like class president Cyclops. I was very surprised that Ten of Swords, a major X Men event, really Cyclops took a back seat, um, which is not usually Cyclops is front and center, or at least has a very high profile B sure. story. So did Magneto. They really didn't use him a lot. Yeah, Magneto didn't really have a lot to do um, with with Cyclops. I thought it was interesting though that. We got to see him in prime dad mode. The stereotypical summers we got in this was uh, Cable, young Cable. As an aside, he killed himself. He yeah. killed older Cable. Yeah, and everybody's just okay with it. Like I don't. I, I like I'm <laughs> behind. I know there was a whole X Force series before Hickman came in. Yeah, I need to read all of that. Uh, and I know it deals a lot with him. And then in the cable book that's out, old cable is kind of back. So, but like nobody's addressing the fact that 
young cable killed Kill old, old cable. cable and they're just like well whatever oh, we're whatever. a family uh and it's very strange i don't i don't know i don't have an, a point to this it's just it feels strange it's like over at dc wally west killed uh roy harper arsenal and everybody's just fine with it. They're like, uh, whatever. Donna Troy's pissed at him, but Donna Troy's pissed at everybody, so it doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, okay. Uh, so if we had a Marvel DC crossover, I guess I'm gonna need to have uh, Nate Gray hang out with Wally West Wally because West. nobody cares if they kill anybody. It's like, Look, we can do this. Nobody cares. Actually, Isn't it great. Actually, oh man, let me write. Let me write it. Hey, Marvel DC, let me write it. I could do I could do really cool. <laughs> I could do a cool Nate Gray Wally West story. Oh man, that'd yeah. be great. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh so um we have uh basically what happens is uh Nate realizes that they are going to lose. Um uh, they absolutely are going to lose, um, but the only people who are allowed in other world are the combatants, which is one of the reasons why the Hellions failed their mission. Yeah. Um but Every throughout all of the different events, and notice I'm not saying fights; they weren't really all fights. But uh, once once Cable realizes that they're most likely going to lose, he gets mm-hmm. a message sent back to Krakoa. Yep. And as soon as Cyclops and Jean hear that he's in danger more so than anybody else, they they go into like rabid parent mode. And they do. It, yeah. it was just kind of a cool. It was it was a cool th- seeing Scott care about something without being militant and without being the the boy scout type thing yeah absolutely that the rules don't yeah this was very much like my son is in danger and i'm going to move heaven and earth to save yeah because he goes to the council and they're like i don't know if we should do this he's like well i'm gonna do it anyway so (laughs) yeah uh another interesting reveal uh that we find out towards the end of ten of swords through the text pieces is that since krakoa existed the X-Men as a team have actually been dissolved. So oh. uh, the X-Men okay. actually haven't existed as a unit as we would understand like a traditional superhero team, mm-hmm. which explains when you read an issue of X-Men why it's not necessarily following anybody specifically. No. So uh, if if uh, Scott, who's like head of security on Krakoa, mm-hmm. if he grabs like a team of people... It's just refer- they're they're referred to as X Men, but there is no definitive team. There's, yeah, yeah, there's like there's not a team of X Men. There's not like you're not going to have like a, a core group of people. It's just more or less like when we have people going on a mission, those are they are functionally X Men. Um, but that's just something they call each other. It's not an official title. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, that gives Hickman a lot of room to play with. Oh, it really does. It, 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 it serves as a way to uh, explain how he's telling his story because Hickman honestly is only writing X-Men, but he's credited in every X title as the head of X because he's, he's definitely involved. Um, One of the things I thought was interesting is I believe Teeny Howard was co-writer on most like I, I think her name popped up more for mo for more issues like not even as just writer but also yeah. co-writer uh, and I'm I'm curious how much of Ten of Swords 
came from Teeny Howard, um, who's I, I've really only known her from very few things mm-hmm. before this, but um, I have enjoyed everything she's been doing because she wrote, uh, she writes Excalibur, yeah, uh, and Excalibur. If you were gonna, if you wanted to read anything to lead into Ten of Swords, I'd say Cable yeah. and Excalibur mm-hmm. are probably the main ones um, because Excalibur follows Apocalypse. We haven't even touched on Apocalypse yet. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Teeny Howard, I I'm kind of excited. It sounds strange, but I'm kind of excited for her to leave the X books mm-hmm. because I I want to see what she's gonna bring to the table. Not necessarily a Marvel, but like any sure. any publisher at all. I would like to see what she has to what she has to say as a writer um, outside of the umbrella of of the X family. Maybe, like maybe it's because she's working with Hickman and the others. Maybe that brings out the best in her as a writer. I don't know. Could but, be. But uh, I'm excited to find out. I'm I'm want to actually dig through her back catalog a little bit. I know she doesn't have like the largest. Sure. Um, She's pretty young still. Yeah, absolutely. As far as a writer goes. As far as writing goes. Yeah, I mean, she's not, you know, she's Teeny Howard. She's fine. No, I'm just excited. The uh, one thing that stood out in one of the fights was the Wolverine fight in the the reality-bending world he was in and how they drew the panels. They had lots of panels bleeding into other panels. Mm -hmm. They had, like, this... He's fighting. Was a blight spot or or what? It well, I think what his name was. Yeah, blight blight spoke. Okay, and so it was, in, was that his first fight? Yes, I believe so. Oh, let's talk about this. And it was divided up into kind of a wheel, and he had the different spokes, so to speak, and the different the fights took place in the different panel. It was really bizarre, but kind of well done. Not your traditional. Here's your box. This is what you stay in, type thing. Those guys had a very interesting relationship. It didn't last very long. No. Uh, because when you fight Wolverine in an X Men book and you fight him early uh, and you're fighting to the death, um, you're going to die. Oh, it would have been the second fight. Oh, was he, it he the fought second? Summoner first time. Oh, and then okay, Blight, Summoner. Then, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Their names Summoner, are... yeah. Was yep. it surprising that he turned in the book? I mean, we all kind of knew. No, no, no. Okay, I didn't think so. Anyway, that was a side S- note. But... Summoner, I need to go back and read. I don't remember where he came from. He just kind of was there he after He showed up last year, yeah. late late 19, and right away, you're like, oh, this guy's going to be evil. And then, no, absolutely. Sure enough, in the well, book, he turns on Apocalypse. Vis- <laughs> uh, visually... Um, you can't separate too much of Hickman's work from each other. Like there are visual themes. And when you go back to his Avengers run and you look at kind of the opposite happened where he introduces these villains who visually would match kind of how summoners look. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, you know, we had uh, like black Swan was her name, I think. Mm -hmm. And she ended up joining Thanos, but like you, he very much uses these visual characters who are like monochromatic except for like a weird symbol on their chest yeah, yeah. or head or something and and this kind of is like summoner is the most typical hickman character that doesn't fit in a box like you can't <laughs> you can't define him when you look at him but you're just like this is a hickman character like this uh, absolutely okay. i see is very much what like hickman's introducing this for a reason and it's never going to follow a specific uh a specific arc or a specific trend um whether we're looking at like the um 
the oh, what were they called in Hickman's Avengers? They were like, uh, was like this dude was all in gold and he was a bad guy. And yeah. then by by the middle of his Avengers run, that guy was an Avenger. And you're just like, wait a minute, how do we do that? <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's it's a very Hickman typical thing. Hickman. But no, Wolverine was fighting. Was it Summoner or was it Blightspoke? Uh, Blightspoke is where this the panels were. No, no, really sure, sure. But but there is one. And this is where my not reading it for a while comes into comes into really hurt me. Um, he fought someone to the death. Yes, and he killed that person. But because he, it was a fight to the death, and that person died. Yeah. Saturnine awarded the point to the yeah. combatant who was yes. killed. That was that was Blightspoke. That was Blightspoke. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, "Come on." I know. I know. <laughs> That's what. Yeah. It was kind of interesting it, to say the least. It was really weird. And one of the one of the events was just Wolverine and Storm drinking. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was nothing else really to it. Yeah. Um, let's get into one of my favorite things. And I know Ander, uh, my buddy Ander, he's one yeah. of my best friends. Saucy uh, Nugs. He's the Saucy Nugs guy from uh, from the YouTubes. You guys remember yeah. that? Like six months ago, he uh, he went up to the city council here in Lincoln and made a case that uh, boneless wings are not wings. Uh, so, you know, just shout out to my boy Ander. Uh, and he listens nice to guy. your he listens to your podcast. Yeah, yeah he's too. a nice guy. He's a great guy. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the the YouTube video. If oh, you absolutely. If you don't know what it, what we're talking about, absolutely. Um, but he uh, he and I were talking, and he his favorite moment and one of my favorite moments next to Storm's overall story was Cipher. His event was to get married. Yes. Um, and okay. He he married. Uh, do you have her uh, name by yeah, any chance? Uh, Bay, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I can't remember her full name, but uh, but he ended up having to to marry this this woman from Oraka, and she's the only she's the only thing in all of reality to which he he can't decipher her language and he has no idea what she's saying and she is very much a creature of war and conflict and cypher is is a pacifist he's the total opposite yeah a total opposite her name is bay or i think it's bay b-e-i okay um yeah she's great um and so he's, he's just like, wait, I have to get married? Yeah. And it's it's the weirdest, most random yes. thing. So you got Wolverine storm drinking, and then you have a wedding. And you have a wedding. And here's the weird part is out of, out of this weird conflict is this random wedding that doesn't make any sense. And by the end of Ten of Swords, they have grown together and like have bridged their communication gaps. He still doesn't know what she's saying, but there's this weird kind of game of Thronesy bond between them. And mm. she's like, you don't mess with my man. <laughs> and he's like, that is my wife and you will respect her. And it is like yeah. the coolest thing that doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's completely like, why is that a thing? And, and who gets the point? I think they each got a point because they married. Because they got married. Yeah, you're right. They did. Oh, man. It's so bizarre. 
Anyway, oh, you guys, I'm so uh, just real quick. I'm sorry that we are all over the place with That's this, okay. but there is not there's not a way to talk about this in like a linear fashion without yeah. just giving you like a bullet pointed list yeah. of events. Uh, and so a lot of this is just me reaching into my brain. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think the idea is just kind of pull out some of the highlights no, that you sure. liked and, and what you didn't like. I remember when it first, before it even came out, or maybe it had come out uh, a couple of issues, and I asked you, hey, tell me, what's this Ten of Swords about? I was like, I, I can't. It's just so... I, I couldn't spoil it if I wanted to, I believe, is what I, <laughs> is what I told you. Like, I, I would absolutely love to just spoil it outright, but I don't understand what's happening. Um, and, do you and, think, I guess, side note, do you think somebody that hasn't read X-Men can read this and be okay? Or what an, do you think? I have an answer for you. Um, let's go back to Ander, who we just talked about. Uh, he had not, he's read, uh, he's read X-Men in the past. He's okay. familiar with X-Men, but he had not read anything from House or Powers. So he hasn't yeah. read anything, any of the Hickman run at all. And he was like, I would like to read X-Men. Where should I start? And I was like, well, I mean, Ten of Swords creation is out. Try this. Maybe you'll like it. Um, and he read all 22 parts, and it blew him away. He absolutely, he was like, I don't understand certain people's relationships to each other. I don't necessarily understand the politics of Krakoa. He's like, why can't Katie Pride walk through portals? Yeah. Um, which, by the way, Marauders, still my favorite X-Men okay, book. Yeah. yeah um, get... Just get that out of the way. Uh, Kate Pride is my lady, and I will fight you all. Um, <laughs> oh, Marvel, DC, I have an idea for a Kate Pride slash Jessica Cruz Green Lantern story. Ah. Uh, get at me. Anyway. But Ander, having no X experience, no experience. Oh, good, good pun there. <laughs> uh, tip your weight, Steph. Having no experience with these books, came in completely cold and absolutely loved it. He okay. had questions for sure, but that's what I'm here for. Uh, that's what you know. That's what you're here yeah. for. Um, there's there's something about comics that I absolutely love, and it's that if you want to. You can go pick up any random issue. I'm not saying you're going to have a good time with absolutely any comic, but you can try. And if you're smart, you can pick things up and, and kind of put it together. You, you may need to pick up a couple of issues, but uh, I have a lot of people come into the store. It was just recently, within the new year, people are coming in and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm brand new to comics. Where do I start? And I, I can't tell them. I don't yeah. know where you should start. You have to tell me what do you like. Uh, and honestly, if you walk in and you're like, man, I kind of like I, I like Wolverine. And you see a comic that has Wolverine on the cover, pick it up. Uh, yeah. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll hate it. Maybe sure. you'll have no idea what's going on. But if, if you want to start somewhere, just start somewhere. I if you come to my store and you try to buy like Ten of Swords Part Ten, that's where I might be like, hey, let me let me point you in a better starting position for these characters, sure. especially in the middle of an event. Um, but for the most part, as long as you have an idea of what you like, yeah, just just go for it. I mean, the worst case scenario, you're out maybe four dollars. I know this week, uh, as uh, as of recording, Batman Catwoman number two came out, and that is not a good issue to just start on. Sure, um, 
because it's it's a nonlinear story that assumes that you have a bit of information, but also maybe it's exactly what you're looking for. I yeah. don't I, I can't tell you for sure. As far as Ten of Swords is concerned, if you want to read it and you've read nothing else from Hickman and you've read no X-Men ever, and maybe you saw like part of an X-Men movie on cable yeah. once, <laughs> um, just check it out. Like pick it up. Worst case scenario maybe you don't like it uh, sure. but you know world continues to spin yeah. and uh and everything is as it is what do you think about the conclusion let's get to the end here of the fight final battle conclusion of ten of swords between apocalypse and genesis i don't know what did you think about that fight or what did were you surprised at the reveal i guess or, yes. or not okay. well so so we're talking about apocalypse versus his wife right yes mm-hmm. genesis um, annihilation is the mask sure sure yeah. so i talked a little bit a, a little bit ago about how i'm kind of proud of havoc and cyclops how okay. they've grown up and have transcended kind of what we identify them as as a stereotype and I actually was watching a YouTube video recently where the guy said, hey, if you were to define Ebenezer Scrooge, how would you define him? You know, oh, crotchety, yep. couldn't be bothered, man, all yep. of this. And I'm pretty sure I've used this analogy on the podcast before. But uh, Apocalypse, from what we know him as, mm-hmm. is not how he ends the story. Apocalypse, more or less, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because I don't want to undersell what he did and I don't want to over... I don't want to give him too much credit, but I don't want to undercut it. Uh, he more or less sacrifices himself for Krakoa. Uh, and he goes to Oraka yes. to live with his family, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Bay comes to live with Cypher. Yep. And there's like a transition of power that basically is like, if you leave everybody alone, I will come to you. And we will nebulously live our lives. Yes. It's weird because it's a happy ending with like dark undertones. Yeah. Because like we're sending uh, apocalypse has, has grown into a new version of himself since house and powers. Yeah. And I I, like compassion's the wrong word, but the way he, the way he addresses conflict has changed. Um, he's still the same character, but just mm-hmm. his point of view has changed a little bit. And he's kind of learned, you know, he's still all about um, survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. Thank yes. you. Is right on the tip of my brain. But he also is like, how can I help make sure that more people are fit yes. instead of instead of just like, well, you weren't fit enough. He's he's trying to train people up to be better which is not anything Apocalypse had ever done. So now we're removing him from that into more or less a toxic relationship with these horrible, horrible beings. Mm -hmm. My guess, and I know you you wanted to ask me what I thought the future of Hickman's X-Books would be, and I almost wonder if for his third act, because we're into the second act now Mm -hmm. of, because we've got House and Powers introduced the first, uh, Ten of Swords introduces the second. I'm almost wondering for the third act if we're not going to see Apocalypse come back oh. um, without any of the quote-unquote humanity he had grown 
from living on Krakoa. Uh, Could you imagine if he comes back with all of the Orakans having fallen back into his original bad habits? And again, I'm not trying to say Apocalypse was like good or altruistic or anything. No. I don't want to misrepresent him as a character, but there was a change. And if we remove all of the progress and now we have a despotic, genocidal maniac who's almost unstoppable, who could now come back against Krakoa and the X-Men... I could see where again this is speculation. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No. I um, like that stuff though. <laughs> I I can I could absolutely see where apocalypse could corrupt Krakoa or remove Krakoa and that would force the X-Men to integrate back into society. Sure. Um it, it would be it would be interesting. It would be a neat bookend. If it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, yeah. Um but I I could just I could see where him Going back to Okara has consequences to the future of Krakoa. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one thing they alluded to a little bit in the story was I can't remember who said it to him, but she said, oh, "I think it was Saturnine." Said, "You know, you've lived a long time. It seems like you're being a little impatient." He's like, "Well, uh, the reason I'm patient is because I have lived a long time." So it kind of alludes to the fact that all this stuff he's doing is part of the long game because sure. he, he plays the long game because he he's, does. He's virtually immortal, so... I'm really excited about it. The thing with Hickman's X-Men books that goes back to House of X number one is my expectation as a longtime comic book reader and a longtime X-Men fan is you cannot anticipate what's coming. No. Um, I I can extrapolate based on how I know storytelling to work based on what I know of the history of these characters, but time and time again, Hickman is, yeah. has given us a left turn when we were expecting to Throwing go right. Curveball. And it's, it's very, very fun. I, I love being able to read a comic and not necessarily know what's coming. Sure. Um, sometimes I get a thrill of the opposite. Sometimes I'm reading a comic and I'm like, I know exactly where this is going <laughs> and it goes that way. You're and like, you're just yep. like, Oh, this is so cool. This is exactly what I thought. (laughs) Um, When I pick up an X book, any, any X book under Hickman, I do not know where it's going. And it's, it's kind of exciting. It's, it's really, really fun. I have kept up with Hellions since the end of 10 of swords. Okay. uh, Because how could you not? (laughs) Uh, It's so very good. I have not been keeping up with all the others. I've got them all. I have them sitting on a stack next to my bed, but uh, I just have not gotten a chance to to sit and read those yet uh, because I've been reading The High Republic from Star Wars, uh, uh, yeah. which maybe will be something yes, we'll talk about very definitely. soon. Uh, but that definitely put all of my X reading on the back burner. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention, I know we've talked about it off mic, so I want to get you on record oh, sure. about was Professor Xavier on predictions. Oh my gosh. Well, Professor let's, let's X. Reasons. Let's do it. Professor X is evil. He's evil. He's a bad guy. He's so evil. He's the most evil, evil guy who's ever eviled. He's so evil. I will like, I will put money on it. Even okay. if in the story, he's not specifically ever revealed as a villain. Professor Xavier from house of X. Number one has been 
a villain. He is the antagonist. He is the villain. Yep. He's the bad guy. Like, <laughs> I, there's no, there's, I can't even, it's not even ambiguous anymore. He's the villain. Well, they've been even, I read some commentaries. They're like, the council as a whole has been asking everybody else to do a lot of pretty shady stuff. Mm -hmm. And Xavier is the catalyst behind a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's the bad guy, you guys. And maybe he's got a reason for it. But you know who else had reasons? Apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't and, mean that and he's, he's gone right. now. So uh, do you th what do you think about the council? Because we have, was it three seats that yes. are vacant now? What, what do you think is going to happen there? I think your, your predictions or what do you want? I think Xavier's going to manipulate it so he gets whoever he wants on the council. Okay. Uh, because he's going to be happy that Apocalypse is gone. Well, I don't know, because he no longer will have that scapegoat. Oh, good mm. point. I don't know. I, I'm not at all sure. I, I'm, I would almost really like to have a couple of issues of a book or maybe even a miniseries discussing how the council works. But I al also... That book wouldn't sell. Yeah, it's <laughs> the book wouldn't sell at all. Uh, but I, we may not even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be very intrigued to see the inner workings of that. Uh, I also really, I, I'm hoping 2021 is the year I get my Moira X book. Okay, I loved Moira and House and Powers, and they've kind of loosely alluded to her over the years. But we were promised a Moira book in 2020. And I don't know if you guys know this. 2020 was a garbage fire of a year. Uh, did you guys hear about this pandemic? Like, yeah. holy so crap. If you're listening to this and it's 2030, 2035, it was bad. Yeah, it was not a good year uh, unless you're a tire company. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I was supposed to get a Moira book and didn't get it. And I, I really hope we will get it in 2021. Uh, that I, could be there. Here's a prediction. Maybe we get a reveal that Xavier flies off the handle and Myra is the one to kind of put the pieces back together. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But you're thinking in the near future, we're going to see Xavier come off the hinges. Yeah, I think so. Sorry. We had to cut it a little bit short there. The store was opening and a customer had come in. So Tim needed to get to work, but we were pretty much done with the conversation. And I thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Please share with a friend and go to covernerd.net for all the previous episodes also I'll include in the show notes links to get a hold of Tim and until next time nerd it up mm -hmm.